Hey, it's Katie Moran, and here's your heartfelt lift. Today, I'm here with Tom Bilyeu, who went from scrounging couch cushions for change to building a billion-dollar business, and he's on a quest to build the next Disney. I would love for you to share how, when you asked for your wife Lisa's hand in marriage from her father, he originally said no. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I my wife grew up in a very traditional household, and so I knew that I had to ask for his blessing. I knew better than to ask for his permission because I was pretty sure he was going to say no. And then that was going to put me in a very awkward situation. So I thought, well, if I ask for his blessing, uh, she will know that I went to him. I did things the right way that, you know, I, I told him my intentions and and at least sought that uh, stamp of approval. Uh, but that if I didn't get it, that I could say, look, he didn't give his blessing, but I'm obviously still moving forward with this. And I felt that was probably going to be a slightly less awkward conversation than uh, I asked for his permission and he said no. So um, I go and the the irony is when I met Lisa, she um, we were probably three months into dating and she said, I'm going to take you to meet my dad. I've never taken anyone ever to meet my dad. So it's like a very big deal. And so I'm like, whoa, okay. Like, you know, I'm, I'm nervous. And she's like, look, he's really going to grill you. He's going to ask you a lot of questions. This is, you know, for him, a very meaningful moment because I've never brought anyone home. And so we go and she introduces me. And when I say he almost didn't give me the time of day, like he asked me one question. And then as I started to answer, he ignored me and started talking to somebody else. It was crazy. And I was pretty taken aback. I was like, not only did he not ask me questions, the one question he did ask, he didn't listen to the answer. And so it was a very sort of weird meeting. And he and I had not established any sort of relationship. Anytime I would see him, it was, you know, very nonchalant, no engagement. And when I went to, you know, ask for his blessing, it was, it was, exactly the moment she told me I was going to have the first time I met him, where all of a sudden he locked on and he was asking me all these questions and really pinning me down and wanted to know uh, what my plan was. And I had answers and I you know, was explaining that I'm going to make your daughter rich one day because he said, look, my daughter has become very accustomed to a certain life because he had become very successful. And his story is phenomenal. You want to talk about a rags to riches story. It, it puts mine to shame. Uh, really extraordinary. But anyway, so he sees me as this young, broke, undereducated kid and is just going to be terrible for his daughter. And I'm not religious. I'm not Greek. And so every box that you could tick for failure, I ticked. And when he said, you know, how do you plan to take care of her? I was bombastic and, you know, look, I'm going to make her rich one day. And look, I was very respectful. I've, I've always been good at reading a room. And so I was presenting myself as authentically and um, sincerely as I could. But I was my, my two big answers were because he was like, why do you want to marry her? And how are you going to take care of her? Those like were the two big pillars. And I said, I want to marry her because I she makes me feel in such a way that I want to go to the, the rooftops of London and, and scream to the world that I love her. Now for him, that's just not interesting. But for me, it was, you know, the poet in me was just thinking, oh, he'll see that and be like, amazing. 
but for him, he's thinking of the realities of love and marriage and raising a family and what it's going to take. And if I can't take care of her, that's going to be a real problem. So he said, look, my daughter's become used to a certain life that I have been able to provide her. How do you plan to take care of her? And I didn't have a specific answer other than to say, I'm the most ambitious person you've ever met. I'm going to make your daughter rich one day. Uh, I'm a, you know, a filmmaker in training. Uh, and so I'm, I'm really driven and I'm going to make all this happen. And he did not believe me. And not that he didn't think I was being sincere. I don't think he ever would have said that I was lying, but he didn't think I was capable of it. Now, when people now think, you know, oh, well, he obviously misidentified you. It's not true. At the moment, he was right. And my own mother, when I left for college, quietly assumed I was going to fail. My best friend, when I left for college, said, oh, I just assumed you were going to marshmallow your way through life. So the, the people closest to me, with the exception of Lisa, all assumed I was going to fail. Because in that moment, in that snapshot, I really was lazy. Um, I did not, I had ambition, but I didn't have drive. So I was laying in bed four to five hours a day. When I'm giving this speech to my, you know, one, one day to become father-in-law, I'm laying in bed four to five hours a day. So there's a real discrepancy between what I'm telling myself and others I'm going to do and what I'm doing. But because of that, telling him that, knowing he doesn't believe in me, because my wife has hitched herself to me. And there ends up being a lot of friction between Lisa and her father in this time because she's devastated that he doesn't want us to get married. I mean, just devastated, crying. It, it ends up being a big drama. She's not a crier. So this was like a really um, tumultuous period in our lives. And I realize, ooh, I'm saying one thing and I'm doing another. And that created a, a lot of shame in me. And as you and your audience will know well, Shame can destroy you, or it can be the catalyst that propels you forward. And so I decided, and, and there's a concept in nautical um, circles, which is this idea of velocity made good. So you can generate shame. That's not going to be difficult. But can you capture the energy that creates in a positive way? And that's making good of the velocity. And so I angled my sales and I said, um, I'm going to capture this energy because I don't like the way that I feel, but rather, rather than beat myself down. And luckily I had found Taoism that, that will derail this whole conversation. But I, I have this little nugget in my soul of Taoism that I've been obsessed with since I was like 16. And so rather than say, oh, I, I am worthless. I was like, I need to do something with this. And I didn't yet have the Shakespearean quote that I have now, but I had enough Taoist ideas, but, but I think Shakespeare really captures this. There's nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. And so I had already been learning about the brain and I was, you know, deciding that I was going to believe in brain plasticity. And so I was like, okay, what if I could get better? And I just decided I was going to go all in on writing that screenplay. And so instead of laying in bed four to five hours a day, I set a rule in my life. And I said, no matter what, I'm out of bed in 10 minutes or less. And so I started getting out of bed immediately. And I started going to work on my screenplay immediately. 
And so I asked my, you know, then fiance for permission to hang up on the wall, all these um, note cards that were scenes. And I, you know, any writers in the crowd will know this drill very well. And so I, I cover the wall with these scenes and, and every day I'm feeling better about myself because what I, I couldn't have explained it to you then, but what I know now is I was moving forward towards the problem. And filmmaking, I end up going on a, a very weird and, and strange journey to that, which we can certainly talk about if, if that's where you want to go. But that first step of I'm now moving towards the problem ends up changing my life. And so I realized, whoa, I'm actually able to reframe the problem, that the problem isn't I'm a bad person, I'm dumb or anything. The problem is I'm not doing the right things to lead me to success. And my wife is now what I would call a witness to my crimes. If when I was alone, if I failed, nobody suffered but me. Now, though, if there is a discrepancy between what I'm saying and what I'm doing, she's going to suffer as well. And so I was like, I at least need to align. If I say this, I'm going to do this. And so I got really hardcore about that. And so this begins a snowball rolling that ends up me going on a very long journey into business because I had met these two very successful entrepreneurs. And they said, you're coming to the world with your handout. Because I was saying, I don't know how to break into Hollywood. And they said, well, the problem is you're coming to the world with your handout. And if you want to control the art, you have to control the resources. So you should get into business and get rich. And I was like, yeah, yeah, then I can make the kind of movies I want to make. And nobody gets to tell me no. I was like, that sounds perfect. And I thought that would take 18 months. Uh, it ended up taking 15 years, but it actually did work. And so start multiple companies. Obviously, many of them fail, uh, but you start learning about business. And I had developed both a fiendish understanding of the fact that success could not be guaranteed, but the struggle was guaranteed, that I better struggle at something I cared about. And so we ended up starting a nutrition company. Everybody thought we were out of our minds, but it was something I could believe in. And it was something I could use my storytelling skills because now, now there's names for all of this, but people have to understand when I did this, this was like crazy town. I wanted to build a studio inside of a protein bar company and begin telling stories about the brand. Now, of course, we call it content. I wanted to be a content creator. I didn't have a name back then, but obviously it works and it becomes the paradigm for how to scale a business. But we were doing it first. I mean, it 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 is one of the reasons, because there were many reasons, but it was one of the reasons that we became the second fastest growing company in North America. So this is all an echo of my father-in-law saying, uh, yeah, I don't think you're gonna be able to take care of my daughter. Now, I wanna be very clear. My father-in-law has always been kind to me. And once he realized that his daughter was heartbroken, that he wasn't at least showing her um, acknowledgement of how in love she was, and that she really believed in this. And she had never been foolish in her life. And she believed she saw something that he didn't. And she was able to articulate that to him. And he maybe a little bit grudgingly got behind it, but has just always been absurdly kind to me. And we go into the desert of trying to build a life. 
And we are broke in the early days of our marriage. And my wife is clipping coupons and we're struggling. And of course, my father-in-law wants me to take a more traditional path and I'm on the entrepreneurial path. And um, But just really, really working, 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 hard, hard, hard. And it after about 10 years, <laughs> this is not brief, uh, after about 10 years, um, it starts to, to build momentum. And I had quit one of the previous companies that I had been building with the guys that became my partners. Um, they then professed that they were just as unhappy as I was. And so they didn't want me to quit. They wanted to form a new company. And what would that new company be? And so that's when I was like, hey, this has to be something that I, I love so much that even though I think we should expect to fail, that we will love every day, even though we're failing. And so that company ends up being Quest Nutrition, ends up being the second fastest growing company in North America. But it was all this echo of all the lessons that I had been learning around the struggles guaranteed. So you better show up and fight for something that you really believe in, um, admitting that I'm a storyteller first and an entrepreneur second. And so how do I incorporate storytelling into the brand? And so all of that just ends up snowballing and it's this insane rocket ship. And we go from the company doesn't exist to being valued over a billion dollars in three years. I mean, it's just absolute madness. And so my father-in-law had never seen any of it. The last time he had visited America, I was at a technology company and we were building security software and it was doing okay, but nothing to write home about. And he had heard the stories when you have real exponential growth, you're actually doubling month over month in physical manufacturing. It's crazy. You go from three employees to 3,000 employees. You go from 3,000 square feet to 300,000 square feet. I mean, it's absolutely bananas. And so he'd been hearing all these stories, but he had not seen it up close. And because our lifestyle hadn't really changed, because you're just reinvesting all the money back into the company. But on paper, I'm worth hundreds of millions of dollars. So it was pretty crazy. So for him, he couldn't really contemplate what it was. And he comes to America for the first time in like seven years. And we walk him around the production floor. And there's roughly a thousand people on the floor, people coming up to me, Tom, thank you so much for this opportunity and for the job. Cause we had very unusual hiring practices. Uh, and so people would really hit me with a lot of gratitude when I was on the line and he got to see all of that. And you just have to imagine it's, it's 300,000 square feet. I mean, it's just absolutely massive people everywhere. Just crazy. The bar is coming off the line, like a machine gun. Uh, and at the end of the tour, he's met all these people. He's seen this just gargantuan facility. And at the end of it, I said to him, Andreas, do you remember asking me how I was going to take care of your daughter? He said, yes. And I said, how am I doing? And he just broke down in tears. And that is the journey that I want for everybody. And not the success part. It's becoming a person capable of that kind of thing because there are many universes where I do all of that, but it just fails for some reason. And luck plays a part. Timing plays a part. Uh, there's just so many things that have to go right. And so I, I encourage in myself and others, don't value yourself for whether you succeed or not. Value yourself for whether you sincerely pursue something that is honorable that you love. 
And if you get that right, and you really value yourself for the sincere pursuit, then life will work out well. But that, I won't lie, was, was a truly magical moment to have when weak to say to somebody, one day I will be strong. And then you put your head down because that was 12 or 13 years after I had said that to him and to then actually be strong and to have them be able to see, whoa, you really have become strong. That, that, was, that was a really, really great moment. And because it's born of becoming strong and I'm not foolish enough to think it's because I actually did make his daughter wealthy, I've made his daughter happy. Or maybe even more importantly, his daughter and I together have found fulfillment. And in that journey, he's got to see the whole thing. He's had a front row seat to watch us grow into capable adults. And to not have somebody believe in you is the greatest gift they can give you, especially if it's sincere and they're still kind. And so I had the, the ultimate gift because on days where I was really wiped out, I was just exhausted. I felt broken. I couldn't let him be right. And I also couldn't let him down because again, he's being very kind to me and he helped create the thing I love most in the world, which is my wife. And so again, his kindness and then my gratitude to him for what an incredible human being he helped uh, raise. Um, I didn't want to let him down, but there was a lot in there of, I didn't want him to be right. Uh, and so, yeah, it, you, we all get a journey that we're going to go on. And some of us are going to have people that cheerlead for us. Other people are going to have people that just outright hate us and want to see us fail. Uh, and then hopefully every so often we'll come across somebody that really wants to see us do well. Um, you need a bit from all of them. Because there were days where I only thought about the people that hate me and want to see me fail. And that worked. There were times where I thought about not letting my father-in-law down. There were times I thought about not letting my wife down, not letting myself down. And then there were times I thought about not wanting my father-in-law to be right, that I didn't want to be the kid that never made good on his potential. That's so amazing. So for anyone listening, just remember that who you are today doesn't have to be who you are tomorrow and that your decisions make a difference in the lives of who you are and who you are becoming, as well as all the people you can impact. Thank you for coming on today, Tom. That's my pleasure.